Should we say Happy New Year? Mm, yeah. The way I operate, like, February basically is the New Year. I mean, like, January same, is We literally had this conversation a year ago. Okay. <laughs> hey, Happy New Year! <laughs> happy birthday, bitch face! Happy birthday, bitch happy face! Happy birthday, bitch face! This is Phoebe. And this is Nicole. And this is the 100th episode of Bitch Face! <laughs> um, JK, we only made, like, five episodes in 2016. Yeah, because genius can't be rushed. And we both have two jobs. Also, we actually recorded a lot of stuff last year that never even made it to the airwaves. That's true. Our archive game is strong. One of the best parts of our year, I thought, was going to Mexico City and interviewing Las Hijas de Violencia. Yes, loved it. Do you guys remember their viral video? Uh, they're the ones who shoot confetti guns at cat callers in Mexico City. <laughs> Um, I also loved we got kicked out of the Bank of America building downtown for asking about sexual harassment in the workplace. No. Okay, what do you want to know? So, I'll talk. Good. Do you experience sexism in the workplace? No. Have you ever observed sexism in the workplace? Yes. Oh, tell us about it. Um, I, I've seen people promoted for wearing, you know, less clothes than I do. And I, it bugs me. Men who wear short shorts? I, I totally wear short shorts, so I thought it'd get me a head. Your legs are great. <laughs> Thank you. He's wearing pants. Why was every dude we talked to like, uh, yeah, I don't, I haven't seen anything like sexual harassment. I don't, I don't have that in my workplace. But every woman was like, are you joking? I have 10 million stories about this. Ugh. We also began like 12 other stories that we have not finished yet. Right, because we're very ambitious. Yeah, but like I do feel like from the beginning we knew, you know, we didn't want to make like one of those podcasts where we're just like, you know, talking to right. each other. It's incredibly easy to make a podcast like that, and we were very ambitious. I mean, <laughs> so no shade to all those talking head pod feminist talking head podcasts that are, you know, way more successful than us. <laughs> right. But uh, around this time last year, we were putting together our first episode, and it was called New Year's Revolutions. Yeah, it was actually kind of prescient, it turns out. It seems really worth revisiting now that we're living in the dystopian future. In some of the first conversations we were having about Bitchface, you had just been reading The Dialectic of Sex by Shulamuth Firestone. There was a section called The 50-Year Ridicule. And she wrote it at the start of the second wave almost 50 years ago. And she was talking about these uh, five different 10-year periods between the 1920s and the 60s and these trends that at the time seemed like feminist progress or liberation, but looking back, were not so. Right, so now it's been almost another 50 years since she wrote that, and I think it's a great time to sort of look back again on the progress that we have made or haven't made. But here's the paraphrasing we recorded last year. By 1970, the rebellious daughters of a wasted generation didn't even know there had been a feminist movement. What was left of it? Just the unpleasant residue of that aborted revolution along with an amazing set of contradictions. On the one hand, women had won access to education. 
but they found that they couldn't put their new degrees to use. They'd won the freedom to fucking dress however they wanted, but it turned out they would still be sexually exploited. They had won most of the legal freedoms, the assurance that they were now considered full political citizens, and yet they still had no power. All the frustration of their trapped position were amplified by the latest incarnation of mass media. Flooded with hypersexual images of themselves, women were bewildered by the ways they were distorted. And then they were pissed off. In this historical interpretation, feminism is the inevitable response to the technology that should have freed women from the tyranny of reproduction. But as long as an entire class system is built on this one biological condition, scientific developments that could help the feminist cause by getting rid of the connection between sex and childbearing will just languish in laboratories instead, if they ever materialize at all. Feminism has always had a cyclical momentum. After every advancement, there comes a swift backlash, which only illustrates the political nature of the problem. The goals of feminism can never be achieved through evolution, but must be demanded via revolution. However it evolves, whatever its origins, power will not be given up without a struggle. Looking back from the moment we are at now, which clearly for feminism is a very confused time. I wouldn't say it's picking up where the second wave left off, but like I said, there there were th there was always feminism. Feminism has been happening for the last 40 years, but the threat is so great that now we have no choice but to sort of pick up that mantle again and like all different kinds of women are, are like, no, these things are important. Yeah, and I do think that like <clears throat> electing Hillary Clinton would have kind of been like validation of the second wave and like yeah. sort of like the second wave grew up and became president or the second exactly. wave like aged into a, the leader of of the United States and like that not hap happening I think is kind of a testament to how the landscape for feminism has changed and how like you know like the importance of binary has has dropped off a lot mm -hmm. the importance of intersectionality which right has come to the forefront yeah you want to do a little explanatory comma special <laughs> for some of our listeners here yeah i mean intersectional intersectionality or intersectional feminism is a term that has been around since like the late 80s like 1989 it was that was when it was first coined by a race theorist in kimberly uh, crenshaw um but kind of only really in the last i would say like personally in my life i've maybe been aware of intersectionality for a couple years and i think this past week preceding the Women's March was the first time I'd heard it discussed. I heard it on NPR two times. I heard people talking about like, what is an ally? These sort of these questions that have been talked about in progressive circles for some time are now coming to like the mainstream. And that's tight. I mean, I think that that's like sort of, that is the next wave. Like we've, internet feminism has given birth to like a truly, what could be a truly intersectional movement. And like, can we get like a dictionary definition? Oh. <laughs> No, that was like all really good context. <clears throat> um, dictionary definition. Intersectionality is just like a frame, a feminist framework that acknowledges that people experience multiple oppressions simultaneously and that those identities can't really be separated. So you have to accommodate the fact that like while, you know, one woman might experience sexism as the primary oppression in her life, white women, that a woman of color experiences both racism and sexism. Um, a queer woman of color experiences all three at once so on and so forth. It you know, it also takes into account um, issues of ability or disability, um, religion. age, religion, um, what else? Gender expression, mm -hmm. 
So all these different ways that we have to navigate the world, the fem the goal of feminism now is to try to accommodate all those different experiences versus like what we've been doing. I think what's continuing to happen and what the second wave sort of did was to presume there was a sort of like universal experience of womanhood when really, really when you talked about feminism until recently, you really just meant like middle class, straight white ladies. Well, and I think the inner like the a real intersectional feminist movement like will definitely yield a president because it really does encompass so, so many, many more things. people and mm -hmm. so many more like issues that people can get behind. Basically, the intersectional <clears throat> party is rising and we are your radio for it. So <laughs> We're the radio of tuned. the feminist revolution. This is Ashley Hicks, a sporadic acquaintance and friend of Nicole Kelly's from high school, a constant admirer though, and I just wanted to let you know I am on a bus headed to New York City. It's my birthday, and my gift to myself was listening to Bitch Face Podcast, and I loved every minute of it, and for the first time, I think since the election, I truly feel life is beautiful again. So thank you, and have a good one. Bye. So even though we only have like, you know... 13 subscribers and like a couple hundred listens per episode. I mean, we did we hit 700 last episode. Okay, that's true. We're we're on our way up. <laughs> but despite our small audience, we actually do get a lot of personal feedback. We could be getting more voicemails to be honest. Yes, this is true. <laughs> After the female gaze episode, we did get our first unsolicited voicemail, completely unsolicited, but it was from a straight white dude. Ladies, step it up. Where oh, are you? Come on. We want to hear from you. Although he did offer to do some catering for us, so. He's offered up some free male labor, so if you want his phone number, hit us up. But, um. We also got some emails, listener mail. Your podcast isn't real until you can read listener mail on the air. <laughs> so here we are. We've arrived. We have arrived. And take I, it away. I love that the subject line is so bitch face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the letter. Here's. It's part of the letter. It was a long letter. The only part that makes me question is that I still don't know well what your intentions are regarding including men into the conversation and the podcast. I know you always encourage them to call and leave messages, but I'm not sure what you slash bitch face want from them. The podcast is about feminism, and obviously men are as much a part of this movement as women, just in different ways. But I just don't know if you have found the way to include them. Not that they need to be included. It could perfectly say as a podcast made for and with women. But it's just surprising that in almost every episode you mentioned that you would like to know their thoughts. I don't know if I'm making sense. It's just a thought. I don't care what men think. <laughs> There's my defensive response. <clears throat> and I mean, I think it's like I, I do, I, I care what this abstract male thinks. Like in everyday life, I have no interest in talking to straight dudes. But I think like on some level, yeah, like because we do know men are part of men are affected by patriarchy. And so sometimes I do wonder, like, are they thinking about these things in regards to their own life? Do they care at all? Like, you know, and I know like we do have male listeners. Mm -hmm. So it is, you know, it's come to our attention. Yes. Someone has a little male messenger has told us that he and all his friends love our podcast. <laughs> Oh, that's not true. They're gluttons for punishment. <laughs> uh, now we're just talking about men. I know. That's what that's I feel like that happens a lot though. Like we 
we spend a lot of time in sort of like women only spaces. And I think that like men do come up a lot. I would say like maybe not in the ways that people might think. It's not like we're like, let's talk about our boyfriends. We talk about how fucking angry we are at them a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, I like that we this podcast operates from a space of that it, we make it for women. Like I think we envision our audience as women. But I'm also happy to provide like free education for whoever's men, listening. Yeah. And including men who are interested in these sort of topics. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I also definitely have always envisioned our audience as being like kind of a certain kind of woman. And like, I think when we make those jokes, even like our kind of like misandrous vibes, it's not always like for the benefit of a male listener. It's like for the benefit of a woman who thinks misandry is as hilarious as we think it is. Yeah. You know, and I think like I definitely thought reading this letter that like, I guess there's a version of bitch face that is just like a pro woman podcast that just like pretends that men don't exist and like never acknowledges their existence. But like, really, like we are making up, we, so far, Bitch Face has been a podcast about, like, women making art, like, feminist art. And that's a lot of feminist art is having to do with, like, having to live in a male-dominated culture and world. So it's kind of, it's almost impossible not to talk about how we're affected by male behavior or male culture. I want to resist the idea that it's, like, our job to make feminism appealing to men. I hear that all the time, like, especially from women who are in relationships with men. Not, you know, not all women who are, who are date men are like this, but it usually comes from a woman who's dating a man who really like needs to make the case for us to include men in the conversation. I just don't think, I think that there's a place for men in feminism, but it, I don't think it's my job or your job or the job of any woman who's in feminism to like make it appealing to them. I think like I'm more focused and I'd rather be focused on like insisting on ourselves and the validity of our experiences, mm -hmm. which are still undermined. So like, I don't have time to be thinking about like, like why don't they just do it themselves? Like the movement exists, like why don't you, it would right. benefit you to join it. Also, in the in the words of, of a good friend, behind every good man are 12 exhausted feminists. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I would like to think that bitch face, you know, maybe takes a little of the burden off, you know, some of you girlfriends out there. Yeah, seriously. You know, just turn on bitch face, you know, go take a bath. That's a great come idea. Come back in an hour yeah. and, like, you know, see, see what happens. If he's learned anything. We make the podcast that we want to hear in the world, so... It's pretty narcissistic. <laughs> it's definitely just a vanity project. And, you know, we're living in Trump's America now. So we're here for you. And, you know, call us to reflect your feelings on any given day. Um, bad or good, joyful or tearful. They can be anonymous. Just like anytime you have any kind of thought that you just don't know, like, what should I do with this thought? Take out your phone right now, you know, if you're not driving. And um, just... Just make a new contact, bitch face. <laughs> 40628 bitch. And then, you know, put us on your speed dial. Call us whenever you want. That's such a good idea. You have all the best ideas. You do it too. <laughs> I'm doing it right now. Hey, as always, we've got some great music in this episode. Our intro music was Nasty Woman by performance art band Locker Room Talk out of Nashville. And you also heard later in the episode a track from Once Nina's album, Pyramid Heart. <laughs> we're just gonna go ahead and leave you with a sneak peek from an upcoming production we're working on called White Tears, a tragic comedy. <laughs> Ha 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 ha!
Bitch Face is hosted by me, Nicole Kelly. And me, Phoebe Unter. And it's produced by the audio bruja, Elissa Dudley. Bye. Bye, bitch.